Welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting fire hose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week we begin by venting about the news. We'll go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And just a reminder, if you're enjoying us to rate, review, subscribe, recommend us, it really helps other people discover us um, if you share with people who you think will like it. Um, We always welcome feedback or communication on our social media. We are at FWM Podcast on Twitter and Facebook um, and Feminists Without Mystique on Instagram. And you can support us on Ko-fi if you go to ko-fi.com slash Feminists Without Mystique. Um, One lovely review we received uh, was a five-star review that said, a solid politics show. Um, it's really hard to listen to anything to political dot, 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 anything these days. Feminists without mystique is an exception, maybe because they really don't try to be overly pessimistic, uh, or play the both sides game, um, or be overly optimistic. They're just real with a bit of humor from a very specific perspective that makes for a refreshing political show. I don't feel entirely hopeless listening to these lovely folks talk about what is happening. The conversations are engaging and intelligent. The hosts do their research. Basically, it's a good show and you should give it a try. So thanks, Arcana, for your really nice uh, review. We appreciate it. We are lovely folks. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think that's, that's the, uh, that's the intro. Uh, we're going to talk about <laughs> things, you know, as we do here. Yeah. <laughs> Some things. At the, at the top, um, Billie Eilish, she did a Vogue um, shoot and story and she departed from uh, looks of her, of her past and she went for more of a form-fitting pinup kind of look you know unveiled her her blonde do um and whereas before she wore more she wore clothing that was loose fitting um her latest hair was you know black with green in it and she had talked about how she was she chose to wear looser fitting clothing because she wanted she didn't want to display her body she didn't want to open it up for criticism she didn't want to be sexualized she just wanted to um you know live her damn life and, and she always said though she was like but women who do and, and girls who do like show their show their bodies show their forms like power to them there's nothing wrong with either choice it's just the choice i'm making mm-hmm. uh, which I always really respected. And then there was like this awful, like awfully remarked on by some paparazzi photo that came out where, you know, she looked great. She was in like a tank top and shorts, I think. Um, and it like showed her body and some people were like critical of it and whatever. And so I think part of this shoot was kind of a clap back to that and kind of taking ownership of her body and her figure. And um, I mean, she, she's the one who she's chose the theme of it. She, you know, apparently she wanted to show more of her body for the first time on her own, in her own, you know, way in a fashion story. Mm-hmm. Um, she wanted to like play with the aesthetic of the, of the pinups that she's apparently always loved and kind of played around on her own in her room with that aesthetic. Um, she said that it was time for something new. And she said, my thing is that I can do whatever I want, um, mm-hmm. which is all true. And it, by and large, um, from what I've seen anyway, the 
the reactions have been positive, but mm-hmm. of course there are the people, there are always the people who have a problem with it, mm-hmm. um, but you know, I live, I, I'm here for it. I think that playing with fashion and sexuality and how you present yourself is such a like normal, healthy part of, you know, being a, a young person, a young woman and uh, power to her. And I love her looks. Yeah, it was a really lovely spread. Um, and just like, I don't know. I was, I was into it. I was kind of, I was just, I mean, I think like the whole, the whole internet was like surprised to see her, um, kind of turn in that direction. And I was like, yeah, just here for it, especially considering like all the flack that she's had to take from people around her looks. And I guess a few months ago when she was wearing the, um, when she, she was wearing something that was like slightly more form fitting or it just was unflat, like caught her at a relatively unflattering angle or like whatever. And people were making, you know, it was just like shitty. I don't even remember that like really much surrounding it aside from the fact that she felt like she had to answer for what she was wearing, which was so frustrating. Um, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm into this. Yay. Yay. Yay to Billy. Um, we, we support you and your <laughs> evolution and growth and wear what you want to wear. And it's, you know, and it's like she said, I also love that she has like, she's in history recorded as saying like, you can wear whatever you want. You can hide your body. You can show off your body and it's all great. And now she's here, like trying the other end of it. Like, yeah, she's been, I feel like she's, she's mature and she's she's what i hope this next generation is you know yeah yeah I, we love you billy yeah yeah she's just great um and i think you know we bring this or you know you have the good idea to sort of start with this because it's so relevant i mean it's there's news like this frequently and it you know whether or not we discuss it um but this is directly relevant to things that have been coming up um around like how we sexualize teenage girls and adolescents and and um the ways in which um there are societal pressures uh for girls to be behaving in certain ways or you know, the messages that they are receiving from pop culture and from men and just all manner of, um, you know, subliminal and like just blatant messaging. Um, and so we wanted to have this conversation that like explores the movie cuties, which we had, I think we talked about when it kind of came out on Netflix and when there was a whole kerfuffle, but we were kind of wrapped up in, in the like more overtly political stuff going on with the 2020 election and all that we were, it just wasn't first and foremost on our radar. Um, but it seemed like a good time to get into it, to watch the movie and kind of discuss our thoughts and the controversy. Um, especially because there was a TikTok video that went viral and was making the rounds this past week. Um, I don't know um, how many people have, have had a chance to see it. Um, I am trying to find the Twitter. I'm actually just trying to find the Twitter or the TikTok user while, um, but it was essentially a teenager and I went, I went to her. Okay. It's um, yeah. I went to her TikTok 
And she, I think she actually is 18. She seems, she looks younger than she's than 18 in this TikTok, but she says she's 18. Um, it doesn't make it any less creepy. It just is like, just facts that I found out my fact finding mission. She's 18. Um, <laughs> what? I think she looks 14, 15. I agree. I think, yeah. I mean, she looks young and she is live streaming. Um, and essentially like she's in a hotel like space or um, because her, she's moving out of where she's living. And anyway, so she's live streaming from sort of um, a public area and a guy comes over to her, obviously much older. You can just tell by the voice and he's, makes her uncomfortable. He, you know, he's asking like relatively innocuous questions, but he's obviously right off camera being threatening and her whole face and body is like giving off this. I'm uncomfortable. I don't know what, what do you want me to say? You know, how am I supposed to behave? And she's, you can tell like all the calculations as she's trying to sort of be nice to him because being rude would put her in immediate danger. Um, you know, and he's just doing the fucking thing that is so relatable where it's like, he's like, is anyone sitting here? You know? And, and it's, I thought the saddest part was when she thought she obviously was uncomfortable. And then she thought he was just asking if he, he, he could borrow a chair. And so she, the relief for like two seconds when she, she was like, Oh yeah, you can just borrow, you can borrow that chair. And then he's like, no, I meant, is anyone sitting here? And she's sort of like, Oh yeah, it was just as creepy as I thought, you know, she goes right back to like, but you know, he's just asking like, Hey, my name's like Steve, you know, what's yours? How are you doing? Oh, you're doing well. Well, that's better than the opposite. It's like, you're fucking uh, like over 30. You're a, an adult and you're being a predator and like, get the fuck away from her anyway. So this is just like the perfect entree into talking about, um, this movie cuties, which we'll get into, but what was your, what was your reaction to that vid? Felt like I was taken back a portal in time <laughs> to my like preteen, early teen years. It's just, mm-hmm. You know, and I can already hear the counter argument. Well, what if he was just trying to be nice and can't just have a conversation with anyone anymore? Like her cues were so blatantly obvious. Like you said that she was wildly uncomfortable. Uh, It was, yeah, without a doubt. And it's just like, I can think of so many times when I was a preteen or young teen and, or like throughout history where I'm just like minding my own biz and some older dude is just like, Hey, gets in my space. Like, how, how are you? And then tries to like have this exchange. I'm like, where's, you know, like, where's this going? And like you said, like, you feel like you have to be nice. Um, one, cause we're socialized that way. And two, because, uh, men kill <laughs> girls and women when they're rejected. And that's not hyperbole. Um, so you're just stuck in this position where it's like, please read my vibe. But it's like, they don't actually clearly care about getting to know you or just wanting to be friendly. Because if they did, they'd be like, oh, this person does not want to engage with me. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's just so, so creepy and such a part of life for for young girls to be just creeped upon by grown men um it's yeah watching it was an awful trip down memory lane and just uh, how uncomfortable she was it's just such a such a relatable such a relatable feeling 
we were just yeah. like, I feel trapped here. I'm in this like public space, but I feel trapped. Well, so like, how do I get out of this? You know, and it's like, how am I going to end this? Like, All right. Well, I have to, my parents are upstairs. Like I have to, I have an appointment or I have, you know, like friends meeting me or I have a boyfriend or like, you know, yeah, the amount of fake boyfriends I had. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's also like, so it's like, even the idea of that, which I did all the time, was just like, no, another man has owns me. So you cannot have me. You know, it's like right. Just, just I wish you could just tell those people to fuck off without being, you know, in danger. Yeah, it's just, I mean, the it is I was glad that she captured it because this felt so quotidian. It felt so like relatable just down to the bones like that this is something that kept that has happened to most girls by the time you're like by the time I don't know by the time you're 12 13 like someone has been fucking creepy um and the fact like this guy is representative of like all the men who obviously take pleasure in your discomfort you know, and, and are able to operate in the space where they don't think that they're ever going to need to answer for it because they're quote unquote, respecting your space. I would argue not respecting your space because they have no right as an adult to, to approach you. Um, and that, that is that, like, if you're saying like, is anyone sitting here? I used to hate that at like coffee shops in New York or like anywhere where it was like questionably a mutual, like more people could sit at the table, but really like it wasn't, it was my fucking seat. I don't care that it's crowded. Like you can't sit with me, you know, but there would be guys that would just be like, anyone sitting, is a seat taken? And it's like, yeah, by my laptop and my bag, like, <laughs> Let me live. yeah. Uh, anyway, like, yeah. And there's no, we don't really, there's again, like we're just sort of developing language to sort of tell, to give young women and adolescents like tools. Um, you know, I think that my mom was like pretty good about it. My parents were good about saying like, you know, if you're ever uncomfortable or if, if someone like adults know to go to other adults, if it's, if it's a state, like adults know to go and ask for like anything that they need directions, like water, uh, they have any questions, they know to go to another and another adult. So if they're asking you a child, it means there's something wrong basically because safe adults aren't going to be approaching you by yourself. That's a great way to put it. Way to go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so cuties, they're 11, which I feel like is when it's right around when the shit starts. Um, mm-hmm. And for those who don't remember the kind of uh, the drama when it came out was came out on Netflix, the photo that was used, uh, they've changed it since then, but the photo that was used was of the girl, the young girls, um, the like 11 year olds in the movie went in there, like revealing dance costumes. And I think kind of like suggestive poses. Um, and so everyone was just like, this movie is glorifying, you know, the sexualization of girls, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I mean, I don't think that was the best uh, photo for them to have chosen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they did change it. But uh, I mean, in my opinion, it wasn't glorifying um the sexualization i think it was portraying a lot of things <laughs> yeah it was glorifying the one thing that i 
it was like mm, i don't know if this needed to happen but i don't think there was any like ill intent it was the like close-ups of like the butts and stuff when they were dancing mm-hmm. sort of like i mean if you're trying to make me uncomfortable i was already uncomfortable just watching them like thrusting on the floor i don't <laughs> yeah i'm already wildly uncomfortable i don't need the, the butt close-ups like you've done your job um yeah the only thing where i was like i don't mm, no I don't like that. But other than that, I thought that they were just like portraying a pretty like realistic story about, you know, a young girl in a conservative family trying to find herself and, you know, playing with her sexuality and social media and, you know, emulating like grown women and music videos and, and all of that. And it's like throughout the movie there, like they're doing these these sort of sexy dances, um, but it's like they don't really know what they're doing because they're also like they'll have these conversations about sex where they <laughs> like talking about how if you get raped, like the penis comes out your mouth or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all this other stuff, which is very like like they showed like the childishness of them too mm-hmm. um, with that, and it's I think it's pretty common for young girls to kind of try on these like different sexy behaviors or you know be curious about them and I think it's up to you know the adults in their life to like teach them that their bodies aren't shameful um but that they have more to offer than sexuality and that you know uh, you know when you're 11 you don't need to be sexy (laughs) yeah I totally agree basically (laughs) shocking we actually didn't discuss this before so I wasn't sure like I I I mean I was pretty sure that we would agree like lol but um (laughs) but yes I I I totally agree with you um and this like I and it it also made me just kind of mad like at I mean shocker but like conservatives who whipped people up into a frenzy actually seemingly on both sides a little bit like it seems like there's a there are a lot of people who were not who who didn't watch the movie by the way it should go without saying because anyone who has actually seen the movie would have a much more nuanced perspective but of course we can't expect like right-wing trolls um to actually see the thing that they're criticizing even though these like matt gates are actually abusing underage girls right and the whole thing with QAnon is like they care about sex trafficking and like protecting young girls again like it's all absolute nothingness um when you know especially i mean so this movie centers around like a young an 11 year old girl who is growing up in like a senegalese muslim um essentially kind of like public housing project um in france and is watching her mother go through um a form of like cultural humiliation of having to accept being pressured to accept that her husband is going to be bringing home a second wife um and like the elders her auntie um who i couldn't you know, really under, like, wasn't sure if the auntie was like the mom or an elder just like in the community or like, anyway, but the elders of, of this tightly knit Muslim, uh, Senegalese Muslim community were 
saying basically like you have to honor and celebrate this. And um, there were some really like heartbreaking, beautiful scenes with the mother um, breaking down, crying in between calls where she's like wishing goodwill on them and talking to friends. And it's like, oh, and so um, I forget if it was Richard Brody at the New Yorker, but someone was pointing out and I didn't necessarily put this together while I was watching, but the idea that um, Amy um, or Aminata, uh, the main character, the 11 year old, as she's in this like school where she sort of wants to, she's attracted to this, these kind of this group of girls who, who call themselves the cuties for their dance group, but they are, they're loud, they're getting in trouble at school, they're dancing provocatively. Um, and they are like, so volatile. It's like, oh man, I mean, like, whew, just, it's definitely like almost headache inducing to watch them like in their like raucous chaos that is like being an 11 year old girl. Um, but so she's seeing all that. And I think she sees it as like the polar opposite, almost like, um, she's seeing that as like freedom and expressing your individuality, your sexuality, like your, that is like one way to be. And then her mother and this, like, um, this Muslim Senegalese culture is like fully repressive and, and modest and, and does modesty and and repression give you satisfaction? She's seeing her mother not getting that and how sad she is. Um, and so kind of like putting those two things, um, at war or like in conflict with each other, um, right out of the gate and seeing how, how this 11 year old without like really the tools or the sex education or like the social structure to really like understand what her feelings are or what she's, um, she's having all these like reactions to things and they're so strong. And like, in a lot of cases, like bad, you know, like she's stealing things and like taking a picture of, or like being pressured to take a picture of like, the boy in the bathroom and you're like, Oh, there's so many things that like are uncomfortable and, and like wrong about this. Um, but anyway, like you would just understand, um, or this movie gives you this beautiful perspective of this 11 year old, which I now feel like fiercely protective of, like just looking at all of the, like, all of the bullshit reviews because this this movie if you look it up and now sorry i'm like rambling so i will stop in a second but if you look uh, if you just google cuties so the first you can tell that the rating summary is 1.4 out of 5 and there are like almost all one star reviews and the first review that comes up is someone some random guy from plugged in okay whatever cutie and he says cuties gratuitously excessively indulges in the very images and ideas it's supposed to be criticizing then i went to letterbox which is like a kind of more film for like more film snobs and that's where you I, I record all the films that I watch. I have since the pandemic, like in this app, um, but you can look and see, and a lot of people write reviews there. The reviews there are an average of 2.7 out of five. Um, and it's really frustrating because it seems like there was this whole online campaign, which picked up a lot of steam where people were just like, I'm going to give it a one-star review and, and like, just, you know, shit all over this movie, which is, which was made by a, um, like black female French director of Senegalese Muslim kind of descent. And she is like, 
making a movie about her experience. So it just makes the whole thing even more painful and frustrating that there was this like punching down campaign by right wing trolls that appeared to actually have really worked and permeated the culture. Um, and that's also in part, thanks to fucking thanks to the marketing team at Netflix, which really botched the, uh, the the marketing campaign with that poster woof did not help yeah i think the woman she got like death threats and things like it was extreme and like you said she was drawing from her own life experience and also i think some some universal experiences of you know maybe not to that extreme um but of being 11 years old and trying to find out who you are where you fit in and you know in this like hypocrisy of the the pressure to be like you know, cute or sexy, but not too sexy, you know, and they're always kind of trying to figure out where that line is. Um, and like, and the thing is you can't be, you can't try on those things without repercussions. You know, it's like when she posts a particularly, um, sexual, we'll say a photo and a boy in her class sees it, he like slaps her, butt, you know, and calls her a whore. Um, so it's, can't when you're a young girl you don't really have the freedom to play around with these things and there's no real equivalent for boys you know because it's if they just talk about like thinking girls are hot or you know their penises or whatever like they're not gonna be seen any certain kind of way they're just kind of boys will be boys and Mm -hmm. i think they're like like you said the kind of what she was seeing at home and with her mother and her mother's suffering um, in at sort of the hands of the conservative environment that she's in and just kind of gravitating to the polar opposite with this chaotic uh, dance crew. And then on top of it, just like the emotional, um, the emotional hardship that she's dealing with in, in watching her mother go through that in, wondering like what does this mean for me and not really having the tools to or the place to go to talk about it and I think when that happens with kids you you find ways to channel that those emotions that energy and and act out or try different things on um but you know like I said unfortunately when you're when you're a young girl, you don't get to do that without all these repercussions, you know? And it's like when she, like her and her dance crew, like post, you know, suggestive dance videos online all the time based off of the music videos of like grown women who are, who are being sexy. And then, and they're all doing that and they love that. And then she posts a picture like of her (laughs) genitals basically. And Mm -hmm. then the girls like kick her out of, the group and she did that after some older girls like pantsed her and she was wearing like kids underwear you know because she's a kid with like cats or tigers or something on it and so and they were mad at her because she was being you know that's too little kid and then she overcorrects you know she goes the other direction and then they kick her out of the group um and I think just in general like being a girl or being a woman it's like you have there's a line you have to walk um and I think that that she was trying to figure out where going from extreme to extreme and trying to find out like what line where do I fit what line do I walk you know Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And and it was like, you know, moving, sad, funny, frustrating to watch her go through it, um, which I think is like was was part of what made the movie so good. Um, But it was and to be clear, there was no nudity in this film. Um, There was no there was like none of the girls kissed any guys. There was no. um, while they, the 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 uncomfortable nature of of what was being seen what was dancing mostly and and when she took a picture of her crotch but we didn't see that it was like thematic um and you just see that she posted on instagram and or she hit publish you know and we're like but we're not we're not seeing that um the i think the like you say the thing that was the most um, uncomfortable for the longest period of time was the camera is very close up on the girl's butts when they're dancing, um, in a couple of places. And I guess I think that the most valid question to ask, and I couldn't quite figure this out, um, but granted, I don't think I, maybe I didn't do enough, enough deep diving on this, but, um, from some of the making of videos, it looked like um, the director, Mimuna Decoré, she seemed like she was very close to the to the girls and like would be hugging them and would be kind of like very, very kind of close as they as she's directing them in these scenes um, and kind of like emotionally attuned to them. Um, I definitely felt like I trusted her with the material and my entire perspective on the movie would have been changed if it was a male director. I would have been like, fuck you and like, get out of here. And you, you know, which I think is interesting because it's not that the material would have changed, but it's like, who's behind, whose lens are we seeing it through? Yeah. Like, but I do think it's interesting. The question of like consent and exploitation, like I do not think that this film was an exploited exploitative film. Um, but I do wonder what exactly where we draw the line with girls who are that age. Cause they're not like, this is not like Florence Pugh in little women. We're not getting a 22 year old to play a 12 year old. These girls were obviously around 11 and like what exactly it's just like the question, I guess it's a classic question with child actors. Like what, what can they actually consent to? And will they feel okay about this? in 10 years. I hope that they will. I hope that I feel like I trust that the director had these like complicated as nuanced as you can with 11 year olds conversations about what they're portraying and, and kind of, you know, it's, it's complicated, but I, I ultimately fall on the side of that. It is not exploitative and that it's in service of like, widening the lens and giving us this like slice of um french life that that is um no less real than like the romantic french champs-elysees like you know more um kind of traditionally french story stories that we see so like this is I felt like it was an important story to tell. It's an important perspective. And I, it wouldn't have worked without it being actual 11 year olds. I don't know. What, what, what do you think? I agree. I don't think it was exploitative at all. Um, It was very clearly not a male Gacy movie. It was 
like maybe people and men are uncomfortable with the fact that 11 year old girls are exposed to and grappling with the idea of sexuality and what that means and and all of that but that doesn't mean that it's not like a very common if not universal human experience mm-hmm. um, and like you said I think it was it was handled with with care um yeah I don't think it was exploitative in the least and I I thought it was also like an interesting um how it touched upon social media and how that pressure and the pressure for likes and also the that yummy candy feedback in your brain when you're getting all the likes uh, from posting that content and how that potentially is, you know, influences um, young girls to be, you know, posting this stuff and they see the, you know, positive feedback in the form of likes that, you know, the, the videos of the older women doing the dance moves get, and then they do it and they get that too. But at the same time, it's like this, there's this hypocrisy and this like policing of, of their sexuality and that, you know, in, in some way society is like here for sexy women and sexy things, but it's also like in the same breath, they're kind of seen as whores and that's seen as a negative thing. Um, and so I thought it was, you know, that kind of showed that, that line and how we, how we get in one breath, and kind of encourage this like sexiness or this cuteness and then the other one you know it's bad but it's also bad to be too prudish or conservative but it's bad to be too sexy and um you know something i think about a lot is like what in you know telling girls they have ownership over their bodies and meaning it while also understanding that like children can't consent to like sex and things like that. And they can be, you know, victims of, of awful crimes. Um, and the onus is on, of course, men not to commit them, but it's like, where, how do you, how do you parent a <laughs> girl? Cause it's like, I, some things are clear to me, like 11 year olds wearing crop tops. I don't, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where, whatever, live your life. Um, but at the same time, if my, if I, you know, if my kid were in like a cutie style dance team, mm-hmm. like how do you have the conversation about things that are maybe too, too mature for the age that you are without instilling this sort of like shame about body and sexuality? Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's something for years. I've just been like, I don't, I don't know how to tackle that one, you know, because you want girls to feel like they are in charge of their bodies and their bodies are theirs and they can express themselves how they want to mm-hmm. but at the same time you know like they kind of showcased and how they were talking about sex and didn't know what they were talking about mm-hmm. um, you know where's the line i mean it's i think in an ideal world girls could express themselves however the fuck they want um mm-hmm. but you have unfortunately in this world a lot of uh, negative repercussions when that happens i don't know what the answer is it's just a tricky one and it's also like there are dance troops and beauty pageants and the like that do you like encourage this like i feel like honey boo boo when she was like yes like sexy dance moves and like similar outfits um, yeah getting like praise for it so it's just like how as a society it's like yeah we both encourage it and look down on it and i wish mm-hmm. you like you know, let girls play around and figure it out without feeling pressured to be one way or another and without, you know, the threat of, you know, violence or, you know, punishment for trying things out, you know? 
Yeah. I mean, I think that in in this movie, the threat of violence felt like it was always just around the corner um, because I kept being worried, like, okay, they're expressing their sexuality. Like um, Amy seems to understand sort of understand without understanding anything that if she wears a crop top, if she sort of like is, has a certain attitude, she can get a little, she can get things that she wants from, from men, from people in authority. Um, and so there were a couple of incredibly cringeworthy scenes where she's sort of trying that and you, it's hard to watch precisely because you think like, she doesn't realize the like danger she's, she's, putting herself like she doesn't realize the danger that she is in even though what she's doing like again yeah like how do you teach um a shame-free expression of your sexuality and growing into yourself and wearing crop tops without um while also making girls adolescents aware of like all the creepy gross guys who are gonna be responding in certain ways I mean I, I love the way the camera would linger on um like that security guard who was like Mm-hmm. like watching them dance and just like the, at the laser tag place or um, the guys when they, I loved the mixed reaction of their dance at the, that concert um, towards the end of the movie, because I was also wondering like, okay, first of all, I mean, there were all sorts of questions that like, it's a little granular, but it's kind of like, okay, so they got into the competition. It was obvious the whole time that they were like young. It's not like they were trying to pull some sort of like gag where they said they were older. So, and they kind of already did the dance routine for the, those gatekeepers in the competition. So when they did perform in front of an audience and there was that mixed people were like, fuck no, basically. And then there were like guys who were like, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) um, Like that was surprising to me because I thought, you know, it's just, it was just, a, it, it was an interesting thing. And if you're the parents who obviously it didn't seem like any of them were like really in touch with their parents, none of their parents were there like watching this um, routine. I mean, yeah. What are you supposed to just say? I mean, they, they practiced, I was sort of find found myself feeling bad for them. Like they practiced and they're doing a good, like, the routine is well executed, but like, it's so raunchy. I don't know how I would show support for the children because they are children in that moment without seeming like I was egging on something like, oh, this is like a, they are like wet ass pussy Cardi B right now. It's not appropriate. <laughs> something the floor. Yeah. And it's like, well, I think the, the answer in a different <laughs> and ideally this world is to teach boys to respect girls regardless of what they're wearing or how they're acting and to just you know, respect other human beings and then we're, and then we're fucking done and then we don't need to have these conversations yeah girls and boys you know can try on different uh personas when they're growing up when they're preteens and as long as they're not hurting other people Mm-hmm. Let, them, let them do it because you don't have to worry about it. Um, so yeah, ideally, uh, people will teach their boys to, to, to be better. <laughs> <laughs> Lol, Aaron, please. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like, morally wrong with like a girl, <laughs> an 11 year old girl. Like I do plenty who are humping couches, you know, <laughs> they turn that out. Um, like there's nothing wrong with like playing and exploring. It's just the danger that enters the, the scenario when, there are some boys who want to 
take it and men who want to take advantage of that and so mm-hmm. if we eliminated that problem then everyone could just express themselves and and dance and do what they want man yeah i mean and problem is boys and men <laughs> <laughs> oh shock um Another just like thing that I want to call out because it's like, cause fuck these hypocrites, you know? Um, so Senator Josh Hawley, the repulsive Republican from Missouri, um, he had, when, when cuties came out and let me just say, I would bet my life and everyone else's that he didn't even, he didn't even, he did not watch the movie and he definitely, he didn't probably didn't watch the trailer. So based on nothing, um, he, except for like one person's out, outrage tweet about the marketing poster from Netflix, Senator Josh Hawley uh, sent Netflix a letter asking why it chose to market the film with a poster of the girl's sexually aggressive positions. Um, he, he urged Netflix to, quote, immediately remove this film um, from your platform. Um, and then he sent, you know, circulated a petition. And then Ted Cruz joined the call. Um, he uh, he called on the Justice Department to launch an investigation into the production and distribution of cuties to determine whether it violates any child pornography laws. Um, and Tulsi Gabbard also called it um, calls, called it porn. And um, so did Christine Pelosi, who's Nancy Pelosi's daughter. She also said she she t- told Netflix to remove the film. Um, And yeah, so there was, and there is actually an open, um, uh, in the, uh, let's see in Texas's Tyler County, um, there's a lawsuit, um, that was filed, um, under the state law that prohibits quote, the lewd exhibition of the genitals or, uh, pubic area of an unclothed, partially clothed or clothed child. So, um, actually there is like a lawsuit, um, still ongoing in Texas about that. Um, but in order for that, uh, for the court to find that this is the find in favor of the Texas DA, um, the film has to be considered, um, proven to have had quote, no serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value and quote, the purient interests in sex, which it obviously doesn't have any of that any of that. The whole thing is pointing to the hypersexualization of teens. Um, and it has, I think it has artistic and political value. Absolutely. And, um, it also isn't porn in any, in any way. It's not porn in any way. Not at all. I had not thought about Tulsi in a minute. <laughs> I know. So I just had to call out all those people, especially, okay. Especially Ted Cruz. Well, I bet Tulsi's on this bandwagon, this cancel culture thing, but Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, cause Josh Hawley had a book that was, he had to self publish or get a different publisher because after the whole like mm, insurrection, which he like actively encouraged, um, he, his publisher dropped him from whatever book he was writing. Um, and he was calling cancer. He was like cancel culture. And of course it's like the main thing that Republicans are super concerned about. Um, and so I just think it's like, I just want to point to like, mm, they are the first people to, to call, to try to cancel a movie that they haven't even seen. Um, you know, they jump on the cancel culture bandwagon when it suits them. Um, and they use that language and they use those petitions, um, to, to tear down, um, artists and uh, an artist of color, like, uh, get the fuck out of here. Um, it's just like, it's, 
Um, it's very frustrating. I like, I feel like there was one other thing on that, like kind of cancel culture bandwagon. Um, but I'm sure I'll think of it, (laughs) but conservatives being hypocritical. Oh my goodness. What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It makes me, it makes me angry. I would, I would just encourage people to actually just watch the movie. You might learn something or learn something about the experience of adolescence, you know, different cultures. Oh, one thing that I thought was interesting too was, um, (laughs) this film's great because it's a nice break from men. There's like not a lot of men and they don't have a lot of dialogue. Um, when they do speak, it's like, not for very long. Um, so it's just nice in that way. Um, but there is a, um, um, hmm, I'm not going to remember the name, but like a Muslim priest, basically like an elder, a male elder who comes, um, to speak to Amy when she's acting out and the mother. And I found that one, that that was kind of interesting. You know, he basically said there's no devil inside her. And, but he also counseled the mother that she had rights if she wanted to leave the marriage she was in. Um, and he also didn't take any money or fees for like telling the mother that there was no devil in her daughter. So I, I like for, for a scene that I think I initially was like, Oh my God, this is going to be like bullshit. Like him, you kind of just being like, she is the, de- she is the devil and you can send her to like boarding school and you know, wherever um, it, like all my expectations were kind of upended, which I liked um, in that it was just like, this person is a nice you know, he seems perfectly nice. And, uh, you know, I don't know. It was just, I loved those different moments. <laughs> it goes, guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was good. Um, just surprising and good. <laughs> <laughs> um, were there any other kind of like elements? I felt like there was a ton of stuff to sort of get through on in this conversation. Um and I'm sure that as soon as we stop talking about it, I'll be like, ah, there were so many other things, but um, yeah, I can't I'm, think of them right now. <laughs> no, just that there's a lot more nuance to it than the uh, initial outrage would, <laughs> would have suggested. Um, and it's like you said, I think it's definitely worth a watch. You'll, if you don't feel uncomfortable at some point, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's a very, it's, it feels like a very real story. And um, it's something that I think a lot of people, particularly girls and women, can relate to in, in some way. That's an experience I haven't seen portrayed in that way before. Yeah. Heartily, heartily agree. So yeah, go, go give it some love on Netflix. Um, and uh, yeah, two, two thumbs up. <laughs> and now for We See You. All right. I'm New Jersey. Uh, there's a teacher at a high school in New Jersey named Howard Zlotkin, um, who was doing a virtual class Um purportedly about the environment, but turned into him doing this like 
profanity-filled rants where he called George Floyd a criminal. He denounced the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, just quite a diatribe. He said that people are whining and crying about Black Lives Matter. Said that Floyd was a criminal who got arrested and killed because he wouldn't comply, which again, we know that's not a thing. Um, Zlotkin's been a teacher for 20 years in the district. He has tenure. Um, he said he couldn't comment in detail, but he said that his comments were taken out of context. And he's being judged on a snapshot out of a 60 minute class. He says he tells the students it's all about facts and he was teaching those facts. He's a science teacher. Um, well, the, the thing is the student who reported the comments videotaped the whole lecture and sent it in and mm-hmm. <laughs> that it was there was no uh there could not be any context for for that um unless you literally preface it with someone who was awful would say the following things you know like there's no context where you pretty much saying that george floyd george floyd got what he deserves and the black lives matter movement's awful when you're a teacher there's no context for that mm-hmm. um, absolutely not he so it's, he was talking about the impact of human actions on global warming. And then somehow that segued into him talking about Black Lives Matter and how much he doesn't like the movement. Right. Like called out his Black students and said they have to write an essay about why Black Lives Matter. Um, and then when one of the students said that Zlotkin was showing his white privilege, mm-hmm. uh, Zlotkin got really aggressive and angry. Um, he starts cursing again for being called privilege. Um, and when the one of the black students said that she didn't write the essay about why her life matters, um, he said that she was full of shit, uh, kicked out a classmate who uh, defended her, just all around <laughs> really um, awful, fucked up, racist bullshit coming from a tenured high school science teacher um, who is out on paid leave at the moment and hopefully will even despite the tenure lose his job and never be allowed to teach again you should probably take some classes maybe some basic sociology classes uh Mm -hmm. lotkin well so we see you to howard zlotkin william l dickinson high school yeah we see you um i saw a tiktok (laughs) um recently that was so succinct again like there's all these different ways that people put the whole like trying to debunk for for anyone who still needs to hear why it's black lives matter and not all lives matter um but there was a tiktok that was like listen if you were part of the all lives matter crew you should have been like working over i mean first of all at any point you should be working overtime because like there are lots of lives that are obviously not mattering as much as others in society. But this last year during a pandemic, uh, which is disproportionately um, affecting certain groups more than other groups, you as part of the All Lives Matter group would sh- would have been should have been super vocal. Oh, my God, I'm out on the front lines making sure that you know, everyone's getting, there's, there's testing, everyone's getting vaccinated, making sure everyone has access to the same, like, you know, to resources and information because all lives matter, you know, and like, I should be, you should be down there at the, um, at the border. You, there are so many ways in which, um, the all lives matter group could have been super busy, um, this year. And it's, they're not, you know, because it's not a real movement that is backed by anything. It's just an anti- 
Black Lives Matter movement. It's not full of substance. Um, and in no way do people who say all lives matter ever have any interest in standing up for lives, really. It's just there to be sort of like a contrarian, pugnacious jerk um, to the people who are just trying to get basic rights and and equity, um, you know? So anyway, but yes, like, fuck that guy. And just, ah, it's so frustrating. So frustrating. People <sighs> really, really purposefully not understanding it. Really, yeah. Really choosing choosing racism each and every day. Yeah. Ugh, going out of their way. Um, so this one, um, so a Florida teen is being charged as an adult in a homecoming vote rigging case along with her mother, which, okay. Like I do, I think that it's, com- that, that it's pathetic, sad and illegal. And these people like this teen and her mom should be, should face consequences for rigging your homecoming vote. Yes, because that's dumb and you're dumb and don't do that. But she's being charged um, as an adult. Um, she she was 17 when she was arrested in March. Uh, her name's Emily Rose Grover, and she turned 18 in April. Um, but she's she she and her mom are facing multiple felony charges um, for rigging this homecoming vote. Um, her mother is the, uh, assistant principal at the same, um, a school in the same County and accessed the school district's internal system to cast these fraudulent votes for her daughter so that her daughter would win again, like bad and immoral, unethical, pathetic, like lots of those words for sure. Um, yeah, like bad, bad, but actually my, we see you is, um, because they're actually, she, if she's convicted, if the 17 year old's convicted, she's actually facing 16 years in prison. Um, and that is like completely fucked up. And it's just, it's, um, it's, it's just not the way we should be using the justice system. No one should be in jail for 16 years. Like this is definitely a restorative justice type situation where you make them take a ton of classes, maybe like kick her out of whatever college she was accepted into, you know, community service, um, a penalty, I, you know, like things that are real and like will sting a bit, but you know, this is just, I, I just can't imagine um, putting someone in jail for 16 years for this. And I think it's really gross. Um, so I just kind of wanted to call out uh, Florida for like being kind of Florida about this, you know, it's like, what are we doing here? What, who, who, who is winning from this? I mean, this is like, going to then become like a life tragedy for this family. And really they should just be humiliated because this is humiliating. I mean, you shouldn't like cast votes for your daughter to win homecoming. That's guys. uh, Was it worth it? (laughs) But anyway, just these are two dumb dumbs and um, the department of law enforcement in Florida um, and the state attorney office in Escambia County um, should just chill. She was 17 when she committed the crime. So I feel like it's also sort of fucked up just on a like purely technical level. She wasn't, wasn't 18 when she committed the crime. 
Um, and also just, we see you like, let's not, that's not, oh, this is, so, this is so over the top. I mean, 16 years when, remember Brock, I mean, we all remember that Brock Turner, who were like, was absolutely guilty of like violently raping someone, um, behind a dumpster only got like, what was it? He got like six months in prison and he was released after three because, and the judge said that he was a prom had a promising swimming career. So mm -hmm. burned all those types of things are really burned into my brain. When I see like a 17 year old girl, facing 16 years for rigging her fucking homecoming thing, guys, come it's on. Unbelievable. And like, I mean, I think you're exactly right that like her having to like learn and <laughs> take some, some classes, do some community service, some like meaningful stuff, but like she'd be, cause like, I think if her mother was doing that, her mother, the grown woman was doing that, that's her influence. That's her fucking mother. Like this girl needs needs to see the light but like and it's sad and, and pathetic that she did that but like <laughs> that's her mom man like she's gotta she's gotta figure there's some, some shit out you know yes. <laughs> they go to jail for 16 years her frontal lobe is still busy at work and yeah didn't kill anybody she <sighs> very very sad thing and her mother oh god i like i want to see a lifetime movie about that mother i know the punishment <laughs> <laughs> right to the movie <laughs> all right moving on um to caitlin fucking jenner do we have to <laughs> i hate her so much I've, I've always hated her when i watched keeping up with kardashians this is, i'm digressing like early season, <laughs> like she was just like such an uh, such a jerk anyway mm -hmm. so but that's not what we're talking about <laughs> relevant background for sure yeah, relevant background well just like yeah mm -hmm. not, not here it's just selfish immature awful mm -hmm. anyway so she's saying she's running for <laughs> I don't even want to say it. She's running for office and she says that transgender girls in women's sports is unfair or in girls' sports. Um, I get so, 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 so irritated when people in positions of power, people holding office, running for office, come out with this talking point that's just like rejected by human decency and science. It's just mm -hmm. not a concern. It's not a thing. Yet these people... It's, it's just like the hubris for you to just decide you think something and not do any amount of work into looking into whether it's actually a thing, just being like, I'm going to, this is, this is the hill. I'm going to do this. Mm -hmm. And I know I've uh, brought up the issue of trans kids um, being allowed to play on the team that corresponds to their gender identity before, but it clearly bears repeating because <laughs> bills keep coming out. Uh, politicians, even, you know, trans women, Caitlyn Jenner, coming out against it. So there are many talking points, stupid talking points people have about this. Um, there are people that are screaming about, you know, testosterone, testosterone. Oh my God. So first of all, like if you're in an elite level sport, um, you are, they do regulate testosterone levels, Olympic athletes, national team members, NCAA, like all the elite sport levels, they already do that, whatever. In kids sports, it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. No. And many trans girls are on hormone blockers to begin with, making testosterone a non-issue. Not to mention there are 
normal differences in testosterone levels among cis women and girls too. Um, like I think it's, it's at least 20% of girls, and women have PCOS, which, um, polycystic ovary syndrome, which often leads to higher than average testosterone levels. Um, it's just like, where does it end this weird, <laughs> this weird fixation and needing to monitor this, like let the kids kick their fucking balls around. Mm-hmm. Um, there are normal differences in human bodies. Taller people tend to have advantages in some sports like basketball, but we don't ban people based on height. We don't tell people that are tall that they can't play basketball because it's unfair for the shorter people. We don't tell, sh- it's it's not a thing. And I've used this example before, but Michael Phelps has the body proportions that are made for swimming fast. It's like he was created in a lab to swim fast, but no one is screaming about that either. No mm-hmm. one, no one's caring. No one cares. So... <laughs> including trans girls on girls sports teams is the only fair thing to do. Um, trans kids are already at increased risk of depression, anxiety, suicidality, and we should be protecting, helping and including them, not banning them from sports teams. Like mm-hmm. let them live. We see you Caitlin fucking Jenner, get a clue. God, oh. Privileged, annoying, ignorant fucking ass. Right. We see you. We see you. Oh God. It's, it's like, yeah. Someone made the point on Twitter, like, God, when, when in history has someone from a marginalized group, you know, um, basically like punched down at their own sold up, sold, sold their own out, you know, to personally benefit, you know, it's like, it's so odious. Um, and, reprehensible um and just fyi when you were talking about that it reminded me that the 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 figment that i was trying to grasp at while we were closing out our cuties conversation was kind of related to this which is like if you're a ted cruz or a josh holly or tulsi gabbard like screaming about this cancel culture and like how this is a sex you know it's exploiting women um there are many ways to sort of channel your power as lawmakers towards the protection of adolescents and creating safer spaces for them, um, you know, with education and with um, uh, even sex education and with, hey, maybe protecting um, trans trans youth um, in meaningful ways and like listening to um, also all of the peers in this group of like, you know, who are saying like, just leave us alone, leave everyone alone. You know, no one cares about like the sports teams. This is not something anyway, it's enraging. So it's just like, you don't, you never display any care for women except for when you're pearl clutching and like wanting to cancel a movie. So just go fuck yourselves. Anyway. New to them too. Bonus we see you. And and Caitlyn Jenner, I feel like she just wants to still be part of like the club she was in before, you know, I'm rich and I'm white and I'm conservative and like, look at me. Um, God, yeah. I, I just, I just can't. <sighs> we see you. I was going to say about her, but I guess I'm, Oh, and it's like, I, I feel like it's this ego thing. Cause it's like, she was an Olympic athlete and she's like, well, I'm so athletic. And it's like, oh, just fuck off Caitlin. Yeah. Sorry, oh done. yeah. No, it's fine. I obviously brought us back around because I was like, ah, that was the thread. <laughs> um, okay. So this one, this is dark. I mean, as are all our VCUs, but um, I so saw the news in The Guardian that um, there um, it's recently been discovered that the bones of Black children that were killed in a police bombing in 1985 have been used in Ivy League anthropology courses without um, the family's consent, um, which just like 
sent chills <laughs> through my body. Um, the So the children died in 1985 after their home was bombed by Philadelphia police in a confrontation with the Black Liberation Group. Um, uh, and the reason that they, basically this guy who was asked to, um, like, what was it? He was going to advise. He was like a, a bones expert. Um, and he was um, a, a university of Pennsylvania anthropologist um, acquired them at first. He was asked to provide specialist advice to the Philadelphia medical examiner in an attempt to identify the fragments. So like in a professional medical examiner capacity. Um, but this guy, Alan Mann, the Phil, the anthropologist, he kept possession of the bones. And in 2001, he took he took the bones with him when he was transferred to Princeton, um, which uh, in one of the articles I read was just saying like, what you're seeing here is the scientific manifestation of white privilege. Um, these remains um, have been used now at these two institutions, University of Pennsylvania and, and Princeton. Um, and recently one of the courses where they're used has been filmed and put online. Um, so there's like the bones of these, these children who were killed in a police bombing are online. You know, it's, it's different parts of them. And they knew it was identified because like it was a pelvis and a femur fragments that were um, able to be identified because they were in a pair of jeans. You know, it was just like, it's just, it's graphic and awful and just really, <sighs> It, it, it comes under um, one of an academic who wrote who wrote about um, uh, forensic anthropology um, talks about lost personhood um, and, you know, cases where individuals can't be identified due to decomposed um, decomposed condition of the remains. Um, but this just it's kind of it's just it. <laughs> It's disturbing to me because it feels like it's not only lost personhood, but just like dehumanizing on a really um, base level, like denying someone's uh, value as a human, basically. And the family's right to understand that there were remains that they could have buried and like just or if they wanted to donate to science. But like you're not giving the family who still lives, um, a choice in this matter. Um, so yeah, I just like, I don't know, this one, this like made me kind of like nauseous. Um, and there are other instances where, um, you know, there's like a long history, um, of this type of kind of abuse. Um, I think the guardian talks about how, um, in 1989, construction workers in Augusta, Georgia, discovered almost 10,000 individual human bones under the former premises of the Medical College of Georgia. Um, so fragments came from corpses that were sold to the college by grave robbers and taken from Augusta's cemetery um, and were used in medical trainings and dissections. Um, so uh, it's just like, no wonder, you know, there's so many different stories that are kind of like chilling in this way that I, you know, don't even click on sometimes because it's just like, oh, God, that's awful. But there's just when I kind of think about um, people who have a distrust of the medical establishment um, and people who actually have 
if there is a reason to be vaccine hesitant, which which there isn't, um, it's certainly not white men who have reason to be skeptical of of um, the medical uh, establishment in the United States. Um, so it's um, people who have historically been just like dehumanized and abused. Um, and that keeps coming up in different ways and like learning that there's bones of a child who this fucking anthropologist has just just took, just took. He was supposed to advise on on this in a medical, but he was asked by the medical examiner and then he just took them and kept them and used them. Like, fuck you. Anyway, like, so we see you. That's, fuck you. So disgusting. <laughs> really flamed out there at the end just with a bunch of fuck yous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just the fuck, the entitlement, like, wow. Wow. Yeah. For, wow. So many things. Fuck you. All yeah. right. Uh, so I saw a story um, about a Florida principal who's under investigation for paddling a six-year-old student, paddling, making yes. uh, a wooden paddle, repeatedly hitting the child with that paddle with her bent over and in the rear. Um, that was awful enough. I was like, oh, wow, this is really bad. And then I saw part of the story saying it was in a district that didn't allow corporal punishment. And I was like, wait, <laughs> that mean that there are places where legally they do allow corporal punishment, which corporal punishment is physical punishment, like paddling. It's like in 2021, wait, we know that it's bad because of science. That can't wait. I looked into it. 19 states, 19 mm. states allow it. Um, we know that corporal punishment doesn't work. It causes all manner of damage. Um, it's associated with increased child aggression, antisocial behavior, lower intellectual achievement, poor quality of relationships, mental health problems such as depression, and diminished moral internalization, which basically means a hard time determining what is moral. Physical punishment teaches children that violence is acceptable against those you care for. Um, being physically punished can change a child's brain, make them more prone to substance addiction. So why in the ever-loving fuck is this allowed in schools? In 19 states, that's a lot of places to allow this in schools. I like... How about all those people that we were talking about who are so concerned about the well-being of uh, of children and a lot of them, you know, are politicians in those 19 states. Why don't they, instead of trying to ban, you know, trans kids from playing sports or from using the bathroom, what if they, you know, stop something that actually harms children, which is being fucking paddled at school? Like... Well, I just, can, what, can we just stop that? Like, why are, are we still doing this? Mm -hmm. uh, what the fuck? Um, we see you. What the fuck? <clears throat> what the yeah. fuck? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm so glad you brought that one because, yep, that's disturbing. Very disturbing. Like, you, what the fuck, man? Also, like, wasn't the kid... Um, like the mother was um, an undocumented worker or something. I, I don't want to introduce fake news, but I'm, I think that's part of what I read about that story. And so people are like, why was she filming it? And why wasn't she stopping it? And I think it was like, because she doesn't know, she doesn't feel empowered in any way to like stand up for this or like, you know, well, so just like the fact that the kid's like six years old, like, yeah, God, like, no. And it, 
And it's just, it also like does, I mean, I'm, I've always just had an icky feeling about it, but like, it also doesn't work. It like promotes more bad behavior. It's just like, it's, you're just harming a child in so many different ways when you do this. Um, mm-hmm. So why, why? But I mean, look at what they're teaching in some schools, like in Texas and shit. It's just education doesn't seem to be about uh, evidence-based practices or education in a lot of states in this U.S. of A. (laughs) Oh, no, it's just about uh, preventing cancel culture while also canceling the 1619 Project or whatever. Cancel culture. (laughs) Whatever bees in their bonnet. Um, Okay, so... My last we see you is um, just about cops and their vaccine hesitancy. Um, They have very low vaccination rates in a lot of cities in New York City, 39 percent in Las Vegas, 38 percent in Atlanta, 36 percent. One union representative said, um, quote, I hate to sound like I don't care, but I really don't. Um, He's in Atlanta. This is Vince Champion, the Atlanta based uh, Southeast Regional Director of um, the International Brotherhood of Police Officers, said that he he went on to say that the low vaccination rates, um, you know, quote, it's a personal decision. We fight the virus every day. We're out among the disease every day in the world. You know, okay, well, it's your personal decision not to get the vaccine, but it's not our, like the citizenry's personal decisions, whether or not we want to interact with you in a lot of instances. So you're coming and um, with the power in the situation and you have a lot of close contact. And in many of these cities, police are not wearing masks and they haven't been throughout the whole pandemic. Um, So it's really scary and frustrating, especially since police were among the first priority uh, of frontline workers to get access to the vaccines. Um, and this reluctance is putting everyone in jeopardy. Um, so it's just super frustrating to me. And if they're not modeling good behavior, which like, when do they generally, um, but like, how are we going to get everyone else kind of to, to sign on to, Oh my God, sorry. There's lots of loud. Sometimes the area outside of my apartment is chaotic. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's just a frustrating thing to point to is like there's vaccine hesitancy in white men and, uh, the Venn diagram, uh, of, of vaccine hesitant cops, I'm sure is, uh, Hmm, close to 100% there. <laughs> yeah, seems seems that way. Also, I just breaking news that Derek Chauvin um, filed an appeal for a new trial, claiming that pre-trial publicity deprived him of a fair trial. Okay. Okay, well, I hope that's shot down. Bye. Bye. Ugh. Um... So many we see use, but yeah, moving on to a good thing. We have a couple of good things. Um, one is that Pfizer is um, probably by the end of the week going to be able to approve um, vaccine distribution for children ages 12 to 16, is it? 12 to 16. Um, and then, um, so that's good. And hopefully that will this is not based on any like actual science or social research, but hopefully like in getting like a whole new wave of, of teenagers vaccinated, um, we can get more of the general populace vaccinated. I like, hopefully, you know, fine. You don't want to get yourself vaccinated, but you want to, maybe you'll go to get your kid vaccinated. I don't know. Again, 
just hoping, hoping something good about humanity, but expecting to be disappointed on that front. <laughs> but, At the very least, more people will get vaccinated and these variants are spreading more among children. So either way, it's a good thing that this, this new age group, 12 and uppers can get their jabber jabs. Yeah, exactly. Well said. Um, and the other thing is just a New York Times opinion essay. So really reaching this week for good things. Um, but it kind of made me happy just to see um, uh, um, a psychiatrist um, say that you might be depressed now, but don't underestimate your resilience. Um, essentially, um, just talking about his work and uh, the the work uh, or the research around resilience, especially in people who um, are have experienced um, heightened uh, anxiety or depression in the last year uh, due to the pandemic, loss, grief, social isolation, all of that. Um, hopefully, there are brighter days ahead, and. Um, I am hoping, especially with more social support and more face-to-face interactions with more humans, we're all going to be doing better soon. So we'll leave we'll leave everyone on uh, on that note, on a hopeful note. Tulu, everybody, keep hoping out there. <laughs> <laughs> Eminence Without Mystique is a part of the Frolic Network. <laughs>